0: Hi, I'm Toby Haydock. I've got a friend of mine to nominate a Doctor Who story and I have to see if I can guess what their favourite things about it are.
1: Hi Toby. Thanks very much for asking me to be a part of this. It should be a lot of fun. My name is Tom Selinsky. I'm a writer, podcaster, corporate coach and I've picked, as my story, The Time Warrior. Welcome back. A bit of time
0: has passed. Between episode three and four, uh in Doctor Who terms, a week. In my terms, a lifetime, or the beginning of one, but in today's terms, for me, saying hello to you, uh since episode three, which I recorded on my birthday, three weeks have passed. I haven't watched any Doctor Who for a happy times and places. I took a bit of time off. So, uh, I do hope I don't repeat myself because I can't remember what I said in the previous episodes. Uh, Let's see what happens, shall we? Uh, Welcome. Nice to see you. I hope you have lined up your part four of the Time Warrior, marvellous Doctor Who story, which we're going to watch in three, two, one, go. And a dramatic pause, and there we go. Oh, it's nice to be back. I just had a bit of a, a rest, I, and I was planning to do this earlier. Look, I've regular viewers, if you're watching the video, uh, uh, audio people, you're going to have to imagine it. Let your imaginations work. I haven't lost the remote control because I've tied it to the Blu-ray player. Um, but then I've spent ages because I'm recording on an Apple product and of course, Apple products are all compatible, uh, except for when they bring a new one out. It all has different ports to plug in. You need all sorts of different adapters to make the old cables work with the new thing. Which I think, I mean, is an executable offence, and will be when I rule the universe. Look at that costume. I love the cliffhanger. You actually see his face go red. There's a there's a, a slight pause to give Sarah time to get there, but I don't. It works. It works. The Doctor is hit. Uh, that costume is great. Uh, uh, A man, uh, a scientist in his pyjamas collapses to the floor. Never mind your yeti on the Lou in Tooting Beck, which is what John Pertwee always used to advocate as uh, the ideal Doctor Who thing, an incongruous thing in a familiar setting. Well, the incongruity here is a familiar thing. The man in his pyjamas and he's in a medieval castle surrounded by technical bumpf. And then we get a close-up of Link's with his hairy eyebrows, a very malleable face. I love this. I think it's gl- I think it's a really quality production, uh, with a brilliant performance inside a superb mask. Uh, and then the batty old Professor Rubish gets his moment to so see the Sontarans have a probic vent i bet on Sontar when when they bring out their new charging equipment they don't bring it out with a different jack to stick in the back and they have to get an adapter otherwise they won't work because that would be ridiculous wouldn't it and that would that would belie the idea of uh, of convenience which is what all this is supposed to be about um don't even get me started on the doors here. It's a Modern doors, so they have three locks, so that means three times more likely to break. Anyway, door. Uh, oh. um, they've already got a, a nice little bond. These two, I, I think. Also, when I do this, these, I'm I'm in serious danger because I sort of it's my tendency to sort of mine for arcana. Of uh, I, I tend to always overlook the obvious. So I've yet to nominate Robert Holmes as my favorite thing uh, or or the person playing the doctor or the companion. And you'd think Sarah Jane would get a a look in here because it's her first story. And it's a it's a confident uh, debut. But I think Sarah has has better moments that I might keep in store um, for future episodes. And I've also got to be careful that I don't just pick characters or actors but I've said that a million times um, look um, I don't know if you're watching uh, we, we've got a we've got a, a bit of disco lighting going on here because I put on the disco lights we've got a disco light because I live with a very strange woman um, uh, he's there's a lovely sort of look of uh, slight fear and immense stupidity from uh, <laughs> John J. Carney as uh, uh, as, as Bloodaxe But doesn't it? Doesn't he go? I'm busy, and you go. No, that's obviously John Pertwee. That's not. That's a. That's a busy. Is a very John Pertwee word. Have yes, I've probably mentioned at the end of last week. This is the first episode of Doctor Who transmitted in my lifetime. I was born between episodes three and four of the Time Warrior, and I liked this story before I knew that I actually looked it up relatively later in the day I wasn't sure I didn't really care interestingly um, so it's something I, I had to actively sort of dig to find out because I'm not great on dates I think I'd patted myself on the back and went Doctor Who started the day after John F. Kennedy was assassinated you know <laughs> <laughs> that's as far as it goes. And even now if you said to me what year was that story, I'd have to rack my brains and uh, and provided it wasn't, you know, for money or uh, at, you know, or in the unlikely event it which would crack a, a security code on a spaceship that's about to crash into the sun, <laughs> um like like <laughs> that would be a thing you would do. Um uh, <laughs> I um uh I'd, I'd, I'd probably get there, but I, it would take me a while. Now, there was always a thing about... Remember there was a thing in Matrix Data Bank in Doctor Who magazine um, uh, about anachronistic potatoes. And then when Doctor Who was, you know, given proper uh, scholastic uh, observation, it was real that actually the anachronistic potatoes are very hard to discern. So uh, we can strike that off the goofs list, everybody. <laughs> uh, Yeah that so the doctor the doctor actually fits in the costume better than the robot itself did because obviously it had to have its uh, head chopped off it's uh, yeah it's i think it's probably the the least uh, successful aspect of the story the 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 android and it's i mean it's a bit of fun but it's yeah uh, and you can sort of see it's you can see the doctor's face Beneath the mask, but that's all right. It's the sort of thing the Doctor needs to do to get out of trouble. Um, you know, disguise himself as a as a robot. It's his sort of ingenuity and thinking outside of the box. Um, but it's uh, it's it's certainly not going to be my pick of the things. Um, uh, I, I, and I I've been thinking about this as well because I've picked cliffhangers twice, and I've picked Iron Gran and Bloodaxe, and I've got to pick two things for this. Tom Szininski's Response is uh, is all fired up, and bless him. I've noticed he's also recorded a shorter introduction because uh, on the later episodes, I I don't have the full introduction to the person. I usually cut it down, and he's provided me with that. So aren't people good? I'm I'm really love the way that people have. Have kindly responded to this piece of frippery that I'm doing, that I hope is entertaining. Good old, sword, good old sword fight. Um, of course, a sword fight now is a much easier thing to do with, you know, editing and uh, and I, but I suppose you know all of these actors were well versed in in stage fighting, but I don't. Think, I'm not sure there've been many really really good sword fights in Doc Two because they all have to be done in, you know, in in one take with a multi camera. Uh, set up now one of these kitchen wenches is bella emberg uh better known as blunder woman in russ abbott uh so when i was growing up she was very much a tv uh, mainstay so the idea that she would uh, have an uncredited cameo appearance in doctor who was very exciting you know because because one always wanted to uh, uh, get validation for a program that was um uh, uh that had a, a bad reputation was what to be, have the mickey taken out of it by her mates by, by saying, ah, yeah, but it's associated with this thing that we know. I mean, not that, you know, <laughs> citing Russ Abbott's madhouse would necessarily be the conduit to a, a, a artistic affirmation that you'd require. But I like the idea that a, a, a thing, a part of popular culture, and she was great, uh, Bella Emberg Bella She was a great sort of comedy stooge. She's also been an extra in Doctor Who and the Silurians. But to prove that if you stick with showbiz long enough, uh, I love the look on David Dacre's face when he, when he takes the mask off the Doctor, um, uh, Bella Emberg eventually gets a credited role and a couple of lines in Love and Monsters, and I think is edited out of The Runaway Bride, um, but I'm not sure we've ever seen that scene. So, so actually, she, it goes, it goes. Uh, yes, su- 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 supporting role, barely seen, no credit in the classic series. Finally, comes good with a lovely cameo in Love and Monsters. You go, brilliant! Bella Emberg is now part of the official Doctor Two tapestry. Come back, Bella, uh, and then gets edited out of her final appearance. She's no longer with us now, bless her. Um, but uh, yeah, she's 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 the one in the the. The, the background there. Um, so uh, that's, that's showbiz, guys. Uh, I've had friends who've been... Well, I think anyone that's ever done a, a telly goes, oh, that bit that I put a lot of hard work into, the camera was looking somewhere else, or they've cut it. Um, I once did an episode of Coronation Street where the part I auditioned for was reasonable. And then when I got there, what <laughs> of the other actors said, should we read through the scene? Oh yeah. And they said a line and I went, Oh, oh no, I'm, I've got a bit more than that. Uh, no, and, oh no, we've had some cuts. This is where the scene starts. The scene started with me leaving. <laughs> and nobody told me that showbiz. But I, I've had a mate who's turned up to a movie premiere with a girl uh, of a movie that he was in all the flashbacks and all the dream sequences. And when he introduced the girl to the director. You know, this is a date to go. This is my mate, the director of this movie, what I was in, and the director went white and went, "Did nobody tell you uh, the dream sequences and the flashbacks had all been cut?" Uh, so, but my friend has had a has, has had a great career. It's just one of those old uh, those old pitfalls. Um, uh, good old Sarah, she's plucky, isn't she? And and you know that's that's a that's a that's a difficult ask uh, to pull off that, um, you know, distraction trick. Uh, But they, yeah, they they pulled it off. Um, And and one of these extras here is George Ballantyne, who uh, uh, was, was, was a sort of perennial fixture. I think Peter Davison talks about him in, in, in one of the DVDs. He was a sort of perennial fixture in, uh, at the BBC, uh off, often wore uh, sort of round spectacles and uh, was a sort of genial character actor type um uh oh there he is he's the he's the one at the control panel nearest us when uh, when uh, ruby stuck down um but he he finally gets he gets a couple of lines in snake dance and a credit so again george ballantyne who is in loads of doctor who's behind the scenes uh he comes good in Snake dance as the hawker Trying to sell a toy snake to Tegan at near the end of episode one. <laughs> I do, I do like, I do like poor old Link's trust up there, but he still has a bit of uh, dignity about him. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I look at that mask. That John Friedlander. I don't think I have credited. Um, deserves enormous amount of and interesting because he was a sort of name very much associated with doctor he did the davros mask and that sort of thing and i think he was the sort of helped pioneer the half mask idea where you you still got the performance um but you also got the alien features uh, and latterly he's not been interviewed or seen i never knew how to get in touch with him uh and he's 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 somebody i would add to the list of sort of unsung heroes of doctor who uh that that uh i think deserves perhaps a, a a bit of better coverage uh the the, uh, the latterly you know we uh, we sort of miss, uh, is he on a, he might be on a couple of the dvds but not enough and i presume either because he couldn't do it always poorly or didn't want to or whatever but it, uh, there was certainly no ill disposition as far as i'm aware um the, the story is treading water a little here but uh But it doesn't really matter because Iron Gron is enjoying Doctor Who and John Pertwee is all that brilliant stuff of sort of keeping his cool while these idiots are shooting at him with weapons out of their time. Uh, And, you know, John Pertwee, uh, John Pertwee's Doctor keeps his dignity uh, and remain slightly sarcastic. Bella Emberg does a lot more in this than I'd uh, than I'd imagined. Um get some good face pulling there. Um I, I I think in my head she was just, you know, in a couple of shots in the in the background, but she uh, she got a reasonable slice of the action there the once she got in the runaway bride. Um but you because of course this is the beginning of the Santos I I I can't remember if I finished the story about that book I got of Giles Brandreth's. So I, I, I know I went down the path of wanting Alan Bromley to be my name. But the main reason I mentioned that is because the picture of Elizabeth Sladen in this costume in that Doctor Who magazine was a, a brilliant sort of half page picture of her. And I she absolutely stole my heart and I fell in love with her. And uh, in that book and it said, who would you like to marry? And I put Elizabeth Sladen. I think I might may have said this in an early episode. And um my my sister said to my brother i think who's elizabeth sladen he said sarah jane smith and and i i did not hear the end of it and the the shame what's the shame in being in love with sarah jane smith absolutely none and you know what i'm still a bit in love with sarah jane smith oh there's steve brunswick <laughs> again uh he's uh, he's not he's not been fired for his acting um but of course, because he doesn't have a line in this, because he was a sort of promoted extra, he gets no credit this week. Uh, and is that is that Andy? That must be Andy Abraham's again. It's not very clear on the film. Um, who actually? I don't don't think I mentioned that Andy, as well as being a bit like Arthur Cox and a bit of a uh, a genial sort of fellow, was a wizard crosswords and a bit of a one with the ladies. I have to say, which, seeing as he'd got he's got about well, he's got he's got forty years on me because uh, he was guarding Irons Ron's castle as I was brought into this world. Good work Andy uh, And again another uh, you know an, an, an extra that went on to have a, a, a good acting career. Andy has yet to crop up in Doctor Who again but I hope he I hope he does. Uh, june june brown i when I, when I, when i lent her the time warrior i also did a tape of some of her other stuff she's in a very the band episode of doomwatch which is called sex and violence which is all about um tv censorship and it's largely people sitting around a table but it comes to some very intelligent conclusions uh, and she's a sort of mary, mary whitehouse type figure and and it's you know it it, it doesn't shirk on showing the reactionary side of that sort of puritanism which is very interesting uh do is a series i must do again uh and if you've not seen do it's very very interesting it's very good for spotting doctor who actors um and occasionally people say bastard uh which is very exciting oh no i think i misidentified george ballantyne george ballantyne's the one in the uh he's the one in the cardigan um yeah, Rubish has a good old, uh, good old time of this, and ascends up the credits this week. Yeah, yeah, um, and the Sontaran spaceship. I like the fact the Sontaran spaceship has always stayed the same. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I like the fact the Doctor has this sort of fan thing that repels Sontaran shooting. I buy that. That's great. It's the sort of ah, that's Ray Dunn-Bobbin, who was Ralph in Brookside. So he's an extra that went on to have a, a great career. Uh, I didn't realize he got such close up. I think he was a, I think he wrote plays as well. Uh, Dunbobbin. He's, uh, he's sadly no longer with us. Um, uh, nor is lovely Jeremy Bullock. Look at him. What a fabulous, he could have done Robin Hood. He's, I mean, he's in Robin of Sherwood as Edward of Wickham. Uh, so he looks, yeah, Lincoln green is his thing. Uh, and and Hal the Archer was always a bit of a sort of dashing hero figure in the the book certainly, and of course, of course, it's him that kills the bad guy. There was a there was I think it was in the Doctor Who magazine third Doctor special where they say it's it's almost a shame that Lynx doesn't go back to war because actually the story would end the same. You know, the spaceship takes off, the castle blows up. Um, that that's kind of it. No, no, Link's is not really defeated. Uh, apart from the fact that hal runs in at the last minute and uh, and uh, you know has the correct adapter for the slot <laughs> um and i i am sort of in agreement with that i hadn't really thought of that before and that that magazine i think it was gary russell planted planted the seed of of that idea that actually it's uh, it it could have been really distinctive the idea that commander Lynx goes back to war um yeah because he's such a good character, he sort of deserves that, and they they could have brought him. I suppose. Maybe I wonder if they would have. No, it wouldn't have worked if they brought him back for Sontaran experiment because uh, you need Sarah to go. You are the same, and them to go. No, no, we're we're clones, so we can be, you know, we can be this cost-saving device that turns out not to be one because we always do a different mask every time. Um. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I think I'd have been comfortable with the idea of, uh, of links going back to battle because he's, he, you actually rather like him. He's, because he's, there's no guile to him. He's, he's perfectly honest and straightforward. Uh, he, he doesn't betray Iron Gron. He, he's slightly con- contemptuous of him. Um, but he sort of keeps his part of the bargain, uh, and, and he, I like the fact that he's a, he's amused by Iron Grom, but he also doesn't take any rubbish from him. Dungeon uh, Mars from this. Can I be concerned with the fate of primitives? That's the quote in the Doc 2 magazine, the Doctor Special, because it had a quote from each story uh, ab- above the review. Uh uh, and that's a great image of, of that brilliant, brilliant costume sort of uh, at the head of the table of these, uh, you know, media- <laughs> medieval hams. Uh, and I mean that in uh, an entirely contra- complimentary way. They're playing the parts exactly as they should, with exactly the level of gusto uh, required. Uh, I think that, that, that extra who falls asleep does so slightly too suddenly. Um and then can't quite settle, uh, <laughs> uh, but um, of course, because the Santarans um, come back, uh, you know they are now established as a regular fixtures in the series, popular monsters, and I think uh, Lindsay deserves some credit. I love the way he stands like that sort of ready he's just gone right how would my warrior stand ready for action and it's a it's a you know it's a a thoughtful way of doing an alien thing I get exactly what that is that's the way these creatures you know prepare themselves for battle but it's not defensive it's sort of welcoming uh, but it's alien but it's plausible but it's different it's great great lovely piece of uh, lovely piece of kit <laughs> as a, as an actor <laughs> And I I feel bad that I've chosen two cliffhangers involving links, and I've also chosen characters Iron Gwon and Blood Bloodaxe, and I I could choose Rubish easily, I, and I've sort of, as I say, I've chosen the cliffhangers with links, but I can't not choose links as one of the things because I think Kevin Lindsay is. Utterly brilliant. Donald Pelmy is good. I mean, there's so, so much... Look, that's a great... Te- uh, Terry Walsh, I'm sure, flying through the air and landing on... Uh, uh, well, John we're landing on it it's back there, but... Uh, and... and uh, yeah, so I, Iron Gron, of course, uh, Lynx has to kill him, I guess. Um, Bladak survives, and he's probably a filthy murderer. But... Um, and I, I, actually, I think the interior of Iron Grunt, uh, Link's spaceship, which you don't see that much of, is is well rendered. Keith Cheatham, the designer, it was his only, it was his only gig on the show. I think he does a decent job. It's, it's a shame you you get the um, just the white outside the castle windows a couple of times. That's a that's a bit of a dead giveaway. But I think generally, uh, that the design is pretty decent. The uh, the the castle kind of works I mean it looks like a set it looks like a it does look but it's it's nicely decorated it's got a bit of space um, oh very good running from the first extra to go there he gave it something um, so yeah, c- c- uh, yeah uh obviously uh not made by Apple there Hal's uh, uh, arrow and but Lynx at least gets to take off but yeah. Uh, I would have liked him to go back to war, but I suppose he hit the takeoff button too soon, so actually the spaceship doesn't take off it. It, it blows up. That's a flaw in the design, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, but I suppose, but you could have had the spaceship take off and, and just, you know, absolutely totaled the castle as it went. Uh, well, I'm wishing upon a star. It didn't happen. Lynx is dead. Uh, cut from the castle to some stock footage. I think that's actually pretty well done uh i think it's a a, a quarry rock, rock face falling but but i think the cut is enough and on the dvd they replace it with some some not very good cgi explosions sorry dvd guys um but it's one of those uh examples i think where actually the original was was perfectly fine and i know barry letts hadn't been particularly happy um Uh, And it's perhaps a sign that sometimes you should ignore the original production team because I think that was fine. But Barry Letts was perfectly entitled to ask for it as an alternative, which it is on the disc. But I watched the original. Uh, Oh, that's flown by. I mean, I was a bit because I dropped the ball on this. um, I was uh, I was a bit reluctant. I kept sort of putting it off slightly and going, as I say, I've, I've sort of lost the momentum. Um, Dear Jeremy Bullock, you did... Uh, and I, as I say, I forget some... Uh, I I might have said everything I've said t- t- tonight in the previous uh, three episodes. Jeremy Bullock had exquisite handwriting. Uh, it was very... Yes. Uh, so there we go. Links and Professor Rubish, top of the credits there. Um, I love that story. I think it's the perfect blend. It's very, very funny. When you're a kid... A lot of the stuff that is funny isn't funny. It's just, you know, it's that period drama. It's only as you get older that you go, "Oh, they've got, they've been a little bit arch with this, but we, uh, but we can enjoy that. It's deliberate, uh, slightly hokey, but without being an annoying send-up." And that's that's the sort of thing that Doctor Who does does very well. Is that often. Uh, the doctor doesn't land in a time period. That the doctor lands in a sort of genre, uh, and he's he landed in the on the planet God medieval there. But that's okay. That's okay because the actors are good enough. That David Daker gives a very very funny performance, but it's not a silly performance. It's not stupid in his own terms. Iron Gron and Blood Axe too. In their own terms, they are believable within the world that they create for us and killingly funny I think it places and yet never at the expense of the drama you never don't think that Iron Gron silly as he is in places is capable and willing to kill the doctor um uh, and that's I think I think the judgment there is good so again hats off to Alan Bromley who as I say I remember Elizabeth Sladen saying you know he wasn't he wasn't the ideal director for Doctor Who and there's there's nothing there that suggests to me that he wasn't um I think he does a really decent... I'm not going to change my... I'm not going to deed poll anytime soon. <laughs> uh, I I think, as I say, uh, that the, the story needs a couple of little bits that it could lose, you know, uh, 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 and, 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 yeah, the knight is... The robot knight is not the most convincing aspect of it. But I can, I can live with it. I think it's... I, I still think it's a... A 10, if not a 10, a high 9 out of 10. Um, and, and I very rarely give full points just because I'm a... If not a glass half full, a glass is never entirely full. <laughs> I've, even if I get a full glass, I've spilt a bit on me. Probably on a new suit or a freshly pressed shirt before I've even sat down. Because that's my life. <laughs> um, which began uh, just a few days before uh, the episode we've just watched aired. So, um, uh, well, look, what's... Um, so I'm going to have to get back to this. Um, uh, uh, obviously, I've, I've, I've recorded this, you know, in the, in the new year. I, I, I don't know how far ahead... Uh, this will be released. So we're we're just into lockdown three. Um, Gosh, by the time you listen to this, you, you could be in lockdown four (laughs) or who knows, they'll have, they'll have, they'll have, they'll have actually rebooted the whole lockdown franchise and it'll, it'll start again with the lockdown. Uh, Or we could all be living in a Nirvana where we can go to discos and lick each other's eyeballs and send our children to school. Um, So, however, uh, what has not changed is what Tom Selinsky recorded for me whenever it was that he sent me this. I've not seen it. This one says part four reaction and bonus and plugs because that's what I ask people to do is to, for the part four, uh, is to choose a thing from part four, a bonus thing, and then to plug their wares. A lot of people haven't been. Um, but uh, Tom, it seems like he will be in good because he's uh, he does much that is worth plugging. My things. I'm going to choose... With an honourable mention to Robert Holmes, who I will, I will pick for for some of his stories. And, I, and it goes without saying, I, th- I think he, of the original series writers, is the one that speaks Doctor Who most fluently. I think he gets the show. He is simpatico with all of the elements that make Doctor Who work. Uh, and with an honourable mention to Donald Pelmere, one of Doctor Who's uh Still going uh, as I record this, and I think is. Probably 92, 93 now. And I do like Professor Rubish, and I've seen him get a couple of bad reviews, and I think they're wrong. I think he's funny, he's dotty, and he pitches it just right. And he's good fun. And he gets the moment where he whacks links with the baseball bat. Love that. Um, But I, I, I... And I was resisting choosing links because he's in cliffhanger one, cliffhanger three but they're both such good cliffhangers that it seems it seems unfair because Lynx, the mask is brilliant, the costume is excellent. They both fit very, very snugly, which isn't always the case with the Sontarans. And add to that, I, I, I think one of the best... And, you know, you've got stiff competition when you come to Michael Wisher as Davros, who is just so good and out of this world. Um, yeah, spoilers ahead for when we. Do- Nobody's chosen Genesis yet, you know. This week, I've been sent videos that I haven't watched, but they're ready to go for the Dominators and Underworld, and nobody has chosen Genesis of the Daleks. Um, but I think Kevin Lindsay is probably the closest rival in the whole of the classic series to to Michael Wisher as the best, you know, man in a monster suit performance which is a different skill uh, to pull off than, than, than giving a performance from not behind a, you know, not behind a mask. When I say monster suit, I mean, you know, covered in latex as well. I think those two are in a, a different league. Um, they do so much with it. So, and, and that's a real skill. That's a real acting skill. So it has to be Lynx. He's a brilliant creation and there's nothing about him that is wrong. From his his hairy eyebrows, to his sticky out tongue, to his mask within the helmet, to the costume, to his flag, to his translation device, to the performance. Perfect. Brilliant villain. Brilliantly rendered. So my thing for part four, but it stretches across the story, is Lynx. Because it's his last hurrah. Commander Lynx going back to war. And... Do we mention, by the way, that in the in the book the prologue is written by by Robert Holmes, who then gave up <laughs> and then Terence Dix writes the rest of it, but Robert Holmes gets a little copyright notice because he wrote the, the the very first bit. And also Robert Holmes is a sign of his didn't he submit the storyline as a Sontar, from a, as a missive from a dispatch from Sontaran officer Holmes to uh, to uh, the earth-based Terran Dix. Terence Dix you know just a little bit of effort um <laughs> i think it's like I, I probably sometimes put more effort into a, 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 a an email uh uh you know message title than i do into the contents because you know get get them with the funny title the rest of it's easy <laughs> um my thing for the whole thing is i think and i'm you know i'm trying to do things where I don't just go on some specific thing that's in one scene and then, you know, miss something that's a glaringly important element of it. I think it has to be the fact that it's an historical with a science fiction element. There was a period where these were referred to as the pseudo-historicals. No, 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 pseudo-since the word... uh, 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 since sued's corner in private eye i know pseudo is a is an entirely different word but i just imagine somebody sitting around being very pretentious about 1066 um uh, but uh, they were called pseudo historicals where they they weren't the pure historicals of the largely the hartnell era they are the ones which are set in the past but have a science fiction element and i think the bbc does period drama so well and doctor who does science fiction so wittily when all the excitement of a sci-fi story is married with the BBC's um, tendency to do period drama very well um, and the actors rising to that occasion and making full virtue of these classically trained actors um, in these sort of genres that they're very, they have great aptitude with. I think the fact that it's a a pseudo historical um, is is a great key to its success. Watch him now choose Robert Holmes and Professor Rubish, who were my 12th, 12th and 13th man, respectively. Uh, let's see what Tom says. And he's reacting um, as he watches it like I am. And he's, I think he's one of the first people to do that because I think most people have just gone, um, oh, well, maybe not. I don't know. Stop waffling.
1: Well, that was a lovely way to spend a couple of hours on a Friday afternoon. It's actually New Year's Day here, so I'm shortly going to sit down and watch Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. But uh, what a pleasure to catch up with this story again, it is just absolutely fantastic. And I'm struggling slightly to pick out something specifically from episode 4, so I'm going to cheat a little bit and say Iron Gron. Um, I'm slightly disappointed he doesn't get to take down Link's at the end. Uh, there's such a lovely push and pull in his character, you know, he runs away and then turns around and blames his troops for his own cowardice. Uh, he brags about how he could have taken Lynx down to Bloodaxe just after having been physically bested by him. But then he does turn around at the end and say, no, I'm, I'm going to have my revenge, and yet he doesn't. And I'm slightly disappointed by that. We don't even know for sure he got out of the castle alive. We could only student that he did. Uh, but. David Daker's performance and Robert Holmes' dialogue together just make an absolutely indelible character. And by picking Iron Drone as my favourite aspect of episode 4, that frees me up to pick Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah J Smith for my bonus favourite. There's a reason why she's such a favourite companion, there's a reason why she's the one companion from the classic series who got brought back, unless you count K-9. Uh, she just is magnificent this is a wonderful debut I believe Elizabeth Sladen did say that she was disappointed that Sarah was never as strong as she was here and yes some of the stuff about women's lips seems a little bit dated now but she makes such an impact it's so so impressive what a wonderful story this is and what a pleasure to watch it again Uh, well
0: Sarah Jane Smith I mean that's I've got to remember, of course, that everyone doing this is just doing the one story, whereas I will be doing everything. So I go, ah, well, I will save Sarah Jane for another time. Of course, he's not going to save Sarah Jane for another time because he's not doing another story. Um, I'm very stupid. <laughs> I mean, I do miss a trick. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm never going to win. I, I sort of have decided. I think I'm never going to get, I'm never going to win. Um, but that's all right because if you if you never expect to win, when you do, it's a bonus um uh both very legitimate choices although tom seems to think that it uh, seems to have, um missed iron gron not making it out of the castle he dies he gets shot by lynx uh shot dead but Bloodaxe presumably uh, lives to fight another day uh, uh uh as do uh edward of wessex and um Lady Eleanor, June Brown and Alan Rowe playing the sort of almost the, the, the most peripheral characters, really. That's usually a sign of a good production. then if Alan Rowe's bottom of the credits, um, he's. Um, um, yeah, I watched Horror of Fang Rock for pleasure over Christmas. Uh, and if when I come to do that. As as part of this, I don't choose uh, him playing skin sale. Uh, i i i must be distracted. Anyway, um, yeah, I actually watched some Doctor Who for pleasure, uh, and and actually, yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, so look, uh, Tom. Uh, is a really really interesting guy Uh, I really like the way that he embraced that I think he chose some great choices he chose a great story and he got in just in time because as I say another friend chose the wanted to choose the Time Warrior about a week later later uh, and instead has chosen Death to the Daleks so that's one to look forward to as well because I've got the video for that I mix up uh, the release order in order to give a variety of doctors so who knows when you'll hear this but I've given the game away. This was recorded in January 2021. Um, uh, The world is ever changing and yet also slightly stuck in a groove as well. So who knows what it will be like when uh, these commentaries for this story reach your ears. But I hope uh, whatever the world is like where you are, it is a happy time and a happy place. And my thanks to Tom silinski and I'm going to let him plug his wares uh, as the way out of this particular uh, instalment. And I'll be back with another story. Don't know which one, but it won't be a Pertwee uh, next time. So join me for that. And over to Tom with sincere thanks to him.
1: Now, if you're interested in me and the stuff that I do, I uh, run corporate workshops generally about communications I write plays and things, including some for Big Finish. And I've, I'm coming to the end of a three-year-plus project with fellow Big Finish writer John Dorney and an actor called Jessica Regan. And we've been working our way through every film that's won Best Picture at the Academy Awards in an order determined by picking them out of a hat at random. Uh, so that's called Best Pick. You can hear all the episodes by going to bestpickpod.com or by using your podcast listening tool of choice. Uh, And you can hear us talking about lots and lots of films, as well as a few special episodes about people like uh, Orson Welles, Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Kubrick, and so on. Uh, It's been a really fun journey. Probably would have finished by the time you've heard this, but we're going to try and keep it going in some form. Uh, Thank you very much, Toby, for asking me to take part in this. It's been a tremendous amount of fun, and I hope this is what you wanted. Cheerio. Bye for now. Oh
0: listen, thanks ever so much for listening to this podcast which is called Happy Times and Places and it's presented by me, Toby Haydoke. Special thanks too to my guest, Tom Salinsky, who you can follow on Twitter at Tom Selinski. I would always show my probic vent to any subscribers to my Patreon page and currently hitting the bullseye there are a number of people including Jim Sankster, Dave Stevens, Adam Stone Paul Taylor Greaves, Sidney Trote, John Turner, Gary Wales, Alistair Wallace, Peter Ware, Kevin West, Rich Wiggins, John Williams, Sidney Wilson and Pascal Zierka. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson and you can follow Toby Haydok's time travels on Twitter at Haydoke Podcasts. If you would like your name read out on the credits, well, you can become a patron for as little as £3 a month, which gives you access to exclusive videos and exclusive audio and early releases of all of these podcasts. They're currently two or three months ahead of what you listen to on your podcast apps. Uh, and you can go there www.patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and it will tell you what to do. Uh, if you do not fancy being a monthly subscriber. Although actually, if you sign up for a year at the moment, you get a 10% discount. But look, you can do a one-off payment at kofi.com forward slash haddock But you don't have to pay anything at all. I'm very grateful to you for listening and for downloading. But you know what's free? To leave a five-star review or a lot of lovely comments at whatever podcast receptacle you find these in. That would do me all sorts of favours and make my algorithms the swankiest algorithms of cyberspace town so 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 do do that then please subscribe to my youtube channel you can follow me on twitter at toby haydok remember haydok podcasts has its own twitter feed and you can go to my uh, website which is www.tobyhaydok.com and i run a comedy club every tuesday night in manchester but it's called Excess Malarkey and it hasn't got a building as I speak because there's a plague on. So we've taken it online to Twitch tv forward slash excess malarkey if you're listening to this sometime after this plague business has all been forgotten about look online uh, it'll show you where our building is but uh, if we're still in the grip of pestilence twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey every tuesday totally free 8 p.m gmt and i will be introducing four of the best comedians from the international comedy circuit doing funny stuff <laughs>